So we're going to have episode two of our mental health podcast, and I'm super excited about this one. Uh, and this one, we get a little bit more up in the air. We're just talking a little bit about what, how does mental health and the church coincide together? And, you know, what are some pitfalls that maybe the church has not done such a great job in with mental health? But what are some ways that we can also improve? Um, I mean, there's just some great nuggets of wisdom in this episode. So uh, I look forward to you guys listening to this one as well. Um, if you missed the, the first one, make sure you go back and watch the first one because it's going to set up this one up as well. Um, but I'm just super excited about the conversation that happened in this part two. So enjoy this one. Hey, well, welcome back to episode two um, of our um, mental health podcast. I, I don't, we never really came up with a name for this, but it's okay. Uh, but it just goes along with our 800 pound gorilla series. And so we're so excited to give this tool to you guys. Uh, and we hope that you um, are able to just take a lot from it and apply it to your lives and just um, find out some practical stuff. So we're back here with uh, Kristen Chelsea, and we're going to talk about just a little bit about um, uh, mental health, spiritual health, mental health in the church. Um, and if you've been around the church for a while, you might have just some crazy um, stories about mental health in the church. Maybe you have some good stories. I hope you have good stories, um, but I'm sure there's a couple weird ones in there too. Uh, so we're gonna, hey, we're gonna jump right in. Um, and so the first question, Chelsea, we have for you um, on this episode is, you know, even from my uh, past growing up, you know, I grew up in church uh, all my life, right? I think I was there as soon as I was a baby and every time the doors open, my family made sure we were there. Um, but, you know, looking back, you know, there was always, um, it always it seemed like there's a battle between like church and like mental health, right? There was, it was like, oh, you just need to pray harder, or you need to, you know, read the Bible more, or whatever it was. And you know, you if you're really struggling with something, you came along with one of those answers. You're like, well, that didn't help me at all. Like that doesn't get me anywhere. Um, but yeah, so it just seems like the churches, and I'm church, big T church, um, church in general, um, just doesn't have the best track record when it comes to mental health. So, what are some areas, even in in your life, work um, experience, whatever, that you just seen the church kind of just kind of drop the ball on mental health. Man, I feel like I've been waiting like 10 years for somebody to ask me this question. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty stoked to answer it. Um, and Today I is your lucky day. I know, right? <laughs> I did. Um, oh, guys, the, the church is so dear to me. Um, so I was also raised in the church. My father was a, a Southern Baptist pastor. Um, my grandfather was, was it, he made a deal that if God got him through World War II, that he would turn his life over to ministry. So, I mean, I was three generations. I mean, I rolled under pews and hung out for um, choir practice. And, you know, I, I love the church. The church showed up for my family in some crazy, awesome ways. Um, so I want to preface that, like, I, I can't, I can't not be in love with her. You know, she's just carried me through so many things that I think she's worth fighting for. I think she's worth protecting. And I, I don't ever see myself being able to ever like step out the doors and not come back. Um, and I, and during COVID, I tried for, for a brief period of time. I was like, awesome. I can step back for a little bit. And it just, my soul just craved being, being back in my community. Um, but I say all of that because I'm about to say some things that are maybe less flattering um, but I want to make sure my heart was out there and that people aren't like, yeah, the church, ooh, like guys, definitely I'm, I'm not on that team. So if you're on that team, you're Chelsea's not on that team with you. Um, but man, I, I don't think the church does messy well. Um, 
I, I think it's one of those things that I, I think it's the, the process of building character is really slow and the process of getting healthy is really slow. And I think the church accidentally pushes for a lot of quick solutions. Um, and I think part of that is because the church doesn't it, itself kind of feels like messy is a threat sometimes. Um, that if, if you come in and you cry for 45 minutes, well, we only have an hour meeting and you're still crying for 45 minutes. Like you're going to have to wrap that up a little bit. Cause we can't, we got to get to some solutions. Like we got to fix this. And it's like, the, you know, that's, that's, that's the long game. Um, healthy people is a, is a long game. Um, and I think sometimes the church doesn't have as good of a tolerance for messy as it needs to. So unintentionally, I think that encourages people to be authentic, inauthentic um, in a lot of church contexts. That if the name of the game is is clean and and quick and fast clean, then I I can't be the hot mess express that I am normally. Here is where I come to pretend. Um, and I I don't think that the church would ever say, yeah, that's what we're shooting for—a whole bunch of inauthentic right. people to get together and pretend to have it together. I don't think that's anybody's mission statement. Um, but I think that that's maybe an unintended side effect is that you have people who come in um, and aren't going to show you the mess because they, they think that it's not, this isn't the place for that. Um, and man, then I feel like there is this, and I don't know if it's connected. We could talk about it, I guess. There, there's a disconnect, disconnect between um, therapy and the church because it's like, well, God is all you need. And it's like, well, I believe that. I really do believe that, right. but I, God is in antibiotics and God is in therapy. Um, mm. I don't know if that is a cute phrase that anybody wants to use, and, but you know, like God is doing miracles and all kinds of things that, I mean, I see miraculous God things happen. I actually think I get a front row seat to miracles more than most people do um, because I'm willing to get in the trenches with really messy people. And when you're willing to get in the trenches with really messy people, you get to watch restoration happen. And when you get to watch restoration happen, that increases my faith, you know, tenfold that, that if God says he'll do a new thing, he'll do a new thing. So I get to watch that happen. So I, I feel like I, for a long time, just because the church is so protective of the belief system that God can, God is the person who does new things, that that felt exclusive from like mental health and therapy um, and I think we're finally turning the tide where we realize that those two things aren't mutually exclusive, that, that God can be in therapy, just like God can be in a doctor's office, just like God can be in a sanctuary. Um, so I'm hopeful, but I think historically, maybe those are where some of the disconnects have, have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think part of that disconnect is, you know, we like to compartmentalize like what you do is mental health and, you know, and Ben knows as I, I don't love the title of pastor and, uh, I try to avoid it. And, uh, um, but, uh, it's like what us, we pastors do the spiritual thing and you as a, you know, a licensed counselor therapist, right. You do your thing. Right. And there's I do, I do my, my hippy dippy and you'll take care of the preaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it, and we've just separated out, out those buckets and then I'm with you. I don't think any church's mission statement is, you know, you know, trust God and if, you're dealing with your mental health and you know, that's shame on you, but it does come across that way. And one of the, one of the things, and this gets to a question, one of the analogies, it might be crude, but uh, that I've been sharing with people 
is like if you fell and you broke a leg and you have a bone sticking out of your leg, you would go to a doctor to get help. You just wouldn't sit there and like, well, I hope I have enough faith. <laughs> you know, like there's a bone sticking out of your leg. Go, you know, there's God uses, you know, very wise medical professionals to help you. And, but when it comes to our brain, if it's broken or fractured, there is a stigma, you know, and then we try to apply these simplistic Sunday school church answers. Well, you just have to have more faith and you just have to pray more. And, you know, Ben, you started off our conversation with that. And it's, yeah, you should pray and there's power in prayer, but God uses people to help fix broken people. And we're all broken. We're all messy. And uh, so as you think about mental health and spiritual health, you know, where, where do you see the power of those connecting together? Because they, they're so intrinsically tied, but how do you see those working in a powerful way together to help people? Yeah, I think they are really intrinsically tied. Um, I think it's one of those things that when you get a front row seat to like the human experience and not just one person's, but for me, you know, nine or 10 people a day, I'm just watching people's stories unfold. And when I get that front row seat to how people are, are handling those things, if I had a nickel for every time I pray in therapy, like while I'm working with somebody like, Oh man, like this one, this one's big. And I, I swear to you that I feel like the Holy spirit moves in therapy sessions all the time. I feel like there are times where I'm sitting there going like, man, God is a God of grief. Like, you know, we, we need to sit in this with you because that's just the right spiritual thing to do right now. Um, You know, this is what, this is what a good God would do for you right now would sit and comfort. And you can go back to all kinds of stories in scripture where you see people, Elijah's a fantastic example, um, dealing with depression, deep grief, you know, trauma, and God is a great comforter. So, you know, in those moments, it's like those, those things are so intertwined that the things that make you healthy are God things. Um, you know, and even if I pull him out of it, it's still healthy because it's him. So like, even if I'm sitting with somebody and I'm like, Hey, we need to really focus our thoughts that are accurate. And, you know, that's not any different than the verse that says, be sober minded, you know, your, your enemy, the devil roams, like you need to be careful, not throw the devil and throw, you know, the book of Peter out. Not that I'm encouraging anybody to do that. But even if I have somebody who doesn't have that belief system at all, if I tell them to be sober-minded, that's healthy for them. Um, that is a healthy truth. It's true because it's of God, and because it's of God, it's true, and it works. And so I feel like there's so much that we encourage people to do that is in no way mutually exclusive from the healthy practices that you see throughout Scripture. They're one and the same. Um, and then God's heart for people. God is a God of grief. God grieves injustice. I mean, if it, when I work with kids who have been through abuse, like their childhoods were taken from them. And it's like, no, God is a God who sees injustice. God grieves injustice. God feels that pain with and for you and, and is taking an account of those things. And I feel like the more you get exposed to what people really are struggling with when it comes to grief, loss, anxiety, depression, trying to understand their own value, all of those things. It's like, no, there is a God answer for this. And so therefore your spiritual health almost always reflects your authentic spiritual health, almost always reflects good cognitive, emotional health. 
um, when you are tuned in to the principles of God that are good, and you're not just going through the motions, you're not just reading a passage of scripture and carrying on about your day, but you're actually self-reflecting and and getting it into the bones. Um, I think your mental health and your cognitive health reflect those things in the same way that when you eat and sleep well, those things are reflected. We're, we're whole people. So when we focus our things on the things that are good and healthy for us, the outcomes are the same across the board, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, that's good, some good, good thing to think about. So um, you with that, right, we see that connection. Uh, they're just so interconnected, right? And like you even said, not even just our, our mental health and our spiritual health, but physical health, um, emotional health, like all those things, um, you know, make up, make us up as a whole being a whole person. Um, and then so you, you take that knowledge of just um, those being all connected. And then you take some of these ideas of like, well, maybe the church hasn't been that great at promoting that. Um, but we we could probably we can do better, right? I know for me, my goal is like, okay, how can I be better? How can I learn more? How can I um, understand these concepts better? Um, so even um, just within the church, how how would you see in your work um, in your life just how how can the church be better um, when it comes to mental health? And what are even some ways that the church can help equip people to um, just really lean into taking care of themselves um, and uh, you know navigating their own mental health. These are phenomenal questions. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over again because they're. That's they right. really, they're, they're I wrote them, so that's going to make me feel good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really are. They're questions that are they're growth minded. You know, like how can we do better? That's such a great question to ask. Whether you're in therapy or you're a church, how, how do we do this better? Um, so first of all, I can't even begin to tell you how stoked I was to see a pastor give a sermon where the amygdala and the limbic system made the screen like <laughs> it's so important for for churches to normalize and to talk about like yeah brains do stuff let's talk about stuff brains do um you know thoughts come from a place dopamine serotonin these are your neurochemicals god gave you neuro neurochemicals let's learn about them um and as out of place as that seems because it's like historically it's like yeah we don't talk about those things it's like, it's so helpful to have a pastor because um, people still regard pastors as such deep, important people in their lives. And so when the pastor says, could be your amygdala, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not demon possession necessarily. It might impact <laughs> your amygdala. Um, I think that makes people go, oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. I, I understand now. Um, because somebody else has normalized how things are working and is using it then to reflect those people back to um, good godly practices, good spiritual health to help them with those things. So I feel like talking about it in general helps normalize for people um, what the things that need to be normalized for them to take a step out of where they're at right now. Um, as congregations, which is kind of who I'm talking to, I'm, I'm assuming that your podcast is not just a whole bunch of pastors that are like, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but if you're in a congregation, um, please get really comfortable with messy people. Mm -hmm. um, that, And I'm sure that many a pastor has preached that message, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all, all soul, all strength. And love your neighbor as you would need to be loved when you were messy. Um, really become a, a safe place. One of the only reasons that therapy works is because I have a non-judgmental stance 
I'm not any better than you. Wherever you are, I'm, I'm two decisions away from. And so I need to understand that before I can help you get out of where you are, I can't sit in judgment of where you are. Um, and I feel like the church really needs to resonate with that idea that we're all sinners in need of a savior and you need to be a really safe place for messy people to come. Um, and so work on those fruits of the spirit as much as you can. Uh, talk to your therapist about how to work on the fruits of the spirit, gentleness and patience and self-control. Um, you know, all of those things are things that would be so beneficial to people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, hopelessness. They need to be able to find a safe spot in the pew next to you. Um, not, not next to Miss Susie who bakes the cookies and is the nicest person in the world. Um, they need to feel safe sitting next to you. So um, as much as you can get yourself cleaned up so that you can be a safe congregation for other people, that's one of the best things that you can do. Um, yeah, and then just be a church that's interested in people becoming better people, not necessarily what they can do or how they look. Um, be really invested in people achieving their purpose. Help them kind of find out what piece of God is in them that needs to come to the table so that they can self-reflect and do that work. Be on the lookout for people's best. Yeah, the, the, the messy people side uh, is one thing I, I do love about all of our churches um, that we get to lead is, you know, we just, we talk about that a lot, you know, and, um, you know, I'm a messy person. Ben's a messy person. We're all messy. And that's why I love the story of Elijah uh, in part two of 800 pound gorilla. I put his name back up on the screen and I've been talking about his job and his job description. Um, and I'm talking about it because he's a prophet and, you know, it's a simple job description was go and speak. God chose him to go and just speak his words. And he, he was as messy as anyone. And that's why I'm, I keep coming back at this reality because we like to elevate people. I'm like, no, you're going to see Elijah's, you, know, you, you said his deep depression, you know, and his grief. And he's, he's in a, a bad place and God meets him right, right there. And, and sees it and um, still uses them and still speaks to them and still has value for them um, as he's, you know, navigating through, through this world. And um, I do think, you know, I hope that, you know, any church leader listening, listening to this, you know, I hope their churches that they're, that God has placed in their hands is a place, you know, um, for all people um, to step into where they're at and to walk with them through that journey which really gets to this question, you know, what are just like super practical ways um, that a church um, um, can just help? I, I know it feels sometimes so overwhelming, like there's so much need, but just because there's so much need doesn't mean you just throw in the towel and you're like, I don't know, and we move on. Like, and I think that's been for all of us. We're like, we want to be really present to help. And so what are just some practical ways that, we as we lead churches and can you know can help people when it comes to mental health <sighs> so i i would love to be able to sit here and be like here are the 10 top 10 things that like <laughs> um but so much of it really has to do with attitude and character and heart checks and um i i think it is really really helpful to First of all, always start with the concept that all people to remind yourself, maybe even as a family, when you're sitting in the car before you walk in the doors of the church, sit and have a conversation with your kids, with your wife, with yourself about all people have value. 
all people have value. Um, you know, I've got four kids and, you know, for me to sit with my eight-year-old and be like, hey, listen, the kid who keeps talking over everybody in class, he has value, buddy. Like he has value. It's just messy. Like it's just messy, but there's still value there. Have a conversation with, you know, the, 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 the baby, you know, the mom who's disciplining your kid and you can't focus on the sermon because this is going on. Like all people have value. Maybe it would be a really good idea for us just in general, kind of before we walk through the sanctuary doors and even maybe and more importantly, when we walk out of them um, to have conversations about all people have value and to have some of those core functions where that's going through your head. And when the stress level is up and people are messy and messy is in front of you, I think those are the times where you need to repeat that to yourself all the more. All people have value. All people have value. All people have value. Um, I also think it's important to remind yourself, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, you know, without, without God blessing me with the ability to have community, without God blessing me with the insight, without the Holy Spirit pulling me through to the place where I can check my own thoughts, I am five bad thoughts away from behaving exactly how this person is behaving. Me too. Me too. There, there's not anybody else in here who's going to have this worn down and it's messy and it needs to get better. And I don't think those things are mutually exclusive either. Um, like, I love you right where you are, but too much to leave you there. Right. Like, so we, you know, if, if, if now I know what it's like to be cleaned up, I would be an absolute fool not to, to pitch that to you as well. And any good counselor would tell you that too. However, the starting place is me too. Me too. I also know exactly what it feels like to feel like there's no hope. I know exactly what it feels like to feel like this isn't going to get better. I know exactly what this feels like to feel like this is on me um, or, you know, I'm, I'm not worth enough. I know we don't have like a ton of time, but um, our youth pastor at our local church is doing a series called Soundtracks, which is, um, you know, about mental health and thoughts, the thoughts that we repeat and we ruminate to ourselves and he, um, you know, preached a message and was like, hey, before I do in his for youth group, so, you know, teenagers, he was like, before I do the rest of the series, I'm going to put a QR code up here because, you know, they're all tech savvy and cool. Um, scan this, submit anonymously your your soundtrack, and I'll try to address, you know, the ones that you guys send in thinking he might get four or five, like 75 kids on a Wednesday night. He got 68. Oh, gosh. Um, wow. You know, and they're all the same. And I, like when I read them, I was like, yeah, like this is what's showing up in my office every week too. You know, like, do I matter? Do I have purpose? Is this going to get better? When does this turn around? You know, why are other people doing better than me? All comparison, hopelessness, all those things. If we as a church can get really good at, yeah, me too. Those thoughts yeah. pop in for me too. Um, but hey, let me tell you how I counterbalance those. Let me tell you some scriptures that have changed the game for me when those things pop in. Let me tell you some people that I've surrounded myself with that will call me on that when I when I start going down that rabbit hole. Um, I think that me too opens the doors to presenting those solutions in a way that actually helps people arrive at help. So those, those are the two things that I really feel like just need to be mindsets that everybody practices on a, on a daily basis, whether it's in your quiet time or in your car on the way to work or before you walk in the doors with your family. All people matter. All people have value. All people have value. And, and what they're doing right now is me too. I, that, that's my story too. And I think if your mindset is there, the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Like I, I, I really and truly do believe that you are primed at that point, that whatever it is, the direction you take from that is going to be helpful for that person because they're going to feel safe.
That's so good. Yeah, I think, you know, if there's something, um, I know I've said it a million times, if not a million and one times, um, you know what, we're, we're simply valued because of the image we bear. We're made in God's image. And because of that, we're valuable, right? It, it doesn't matter what we, um, what we achieve, what we accomplish, what we produce, whatever, right? Or it's just we're simply valuable because of who God is and who we are in relation to him, um, which I think is an amazing promise. It takes a lot of stress off of our shoulders if we just really lean into it. But man, uh, so good, so good. Well, Chelsea and Chris, thanks again uh, for your time today. Um, we have one more episode, um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, we're sure that in that episode, again, we're gonna jump into some very practical ideas on how you can navigate mental health in your own life um, and take some nuggets away from that as well. So uh, tune in for that and we'll see you next time.